Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the Mark Boris Podcast. Morning, it's December. I haven't been around for a couple of weeks, unfortunately, I've been a crook, but got some interesting guests today. Uh, I basically going to spend the next half hour talking to these two guys about what their deal is. Um, they've come to us, they want to tell us what they're up uh, uh, on about and what, what the, what's sort of driving them, exciting them from day to day, and what's their new idea or how they're executing on it and how they're going to change the world. So, my first guest, what's your name? Tim. Tim? Tim what? Tim Jones from, uh, from Travel Shoot. Tim, how are you going? Yeah, really good. And what's your deal? What's Travel Shoot do? Um, we basically connect travellers with uh, photographers all around the world. So we've gone out. Um, my sister actually started the business about 18 months ago. So she went to New York and um, one of my good buddies there is a photographer. So he took her on a little bit of a walking tour, her and her husband, and um, got some awesome photos off the back of their little uh, walking tour. And she tried to do it again in another city around the world but couldn't find that there was a service that offered, you know, connecting travellers with photographers. You had to go direct. There's all this sort of mucking around with negotiating a deal with a photographer, how much is it going to be, adding photos on top. Is he any good? Hey, the photographer in New York. No, I mean, when, you, when you're looking for a photographer, you don't know if they're any good or not. No, exactly. That's a problem. So, <clears throat> And then obviously, you know, there's the things like adding, like is it you're just paying for the photographer and then you've got to pay for photos on top as well. So... She sort of walked away from her little experience and thought, well, there's something in this. And um, since then, we've kind of been growing it. I only joined the business in June. Um, I had a sit-down breakfast with her one morning and she kind of lumped on me, hey, I need you to come across. And I was like, oh, I just actually jumped across from a couple of real estate jobs. And um, she's like, oh, I'm pregnant, so really need your help now. Like, you've got to come across. So that's sort of been the catalyst for the move. So what is your sister's background like? Um, she was actually an IT change, so she's not a photographer at all either. So um, she just saw a business opportunity and, um, yeah, jumped all over it. So just so sort of like it sounds like Airbnb for, uh, yeah, you know, matching up uh, travellers with photographers. Uh, um, photographers, photographers, I presume, have to register with you? Yeah, so we do some pretty <clears throat> rigorous testing with the photographers. Like we, uh, we've got a photographer now in-house who does a Skype interview with them and then we do it, um, we make them do a free test shoot for us. To validate that A, that works good, and B, that they're not a creep. It's, you know, you're on your holiday, you want to make sure you're with someone for two hours that you're actually going to enjoy the time with. So, um, yeah, we've, we've been spending a lot of time testing photographers. We're up to about 200 photographers now on the network. So. Right, so you've got 200 photographers. What, how many countries are you covering? 70. 70 countries. 70, sorry, 70 cities. So. 70 cities, yeah. Right. And how, how, do you, how do you find photographers or how do they find you? Well, funnily enough, the ones that find us are usually the ones that we don't want on the network, which is just the way it's going to be. Um, our photographer actually goes out hunting for them. So we've got a list. We actually did a deal um, not long ago with, with um, the Flight Centre Group 
um, and we got their list of top destinations that Australians go to. So we went out and sort of targeted those ones first and then other ones that friends and family have been going to, we've been getting them on board as well. So, yeah, but for people listening, I mean, how do you find, I mean, how do you go, how does your your business development manager, your, your in-house photographer guy, how does he find a photographer in Milan? I guess Milan's not going to be too hard because it's like the <laughs> modelling capital of the world. But let's say, you know, Athens, <clears throat> different language, blah, blah, blah. I mean, how do they find someone? Beijing, you know. Yeah, I think fortunately, like, English is pretty, you know, pretty well spoken around the world. Um, and photography is something that with, like, the age of social media, it's becoming more and more popular. So we do have, like, difficulty finding good photographers in some locations where it's a small population. But, like, Athens, for example, um, relatively easy. It's probably sifting through a few photographers to find the right one. That's the big challenge for us is getting the right people on the network. And you, they, you know, they send you a photograph of Pythagoras or... Uh... <laughs> a, a nude bust, a photo of a nude bust or something. And how do you verify the um, authenticity of their photo? Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's been a bit of a challenge. Like obviously, we see portfolios come back and then sometimes we, we make them do a free test shoot. So that's, you know, we set them up with a real-life customer that we find um, and they do a free shoot for an hour and we get the work back and from there we make a call whether they're on or not. So there has been quite a few where... Their portfolio looks great, and then the test shirt comes back, and it's obvious that it's a fake. Or, um, yeah, so yeah, torn pages out of a Hillman Newton book. Yeah, exactly. So in that case, we just we don't let them on the <clears> network. And then, and then, how do you on the flip side? So yep. So you, so I'm a traveller. Mm-hmm. You've already got photographers that register. I go, I register on your site. Yeah. So there's a couple of ways. You need to um, buy it directly through the site, or as I said, Flight Center is selling it now in their stores. Um, so you go onto the website, you basically plug in your your details, your email address, the dates of your travel. Um, our system connects you with a photographer. Um, in the back end of our system, there's basically a chat function between you and the photographer. So you can chat about style of photography that you like. Um, we've got sort of built itineraries that we've made with the photographers. So say New York, for example, we've said to a photographer, you've got one hour, where would be your sort of starting point and where would you take these people to get the best shots? And over time, we've evolved and we've gotten sort of multiple itineraries for each location. So New York, for example, we've got a few different itineraries for a one-hour, a two-hour and a four-hour walking tour. And how many people are in the place in your joint, in your business? Um, right now, we're actually – we've just closed our first investment round, which is awesome. So we're hiring at the moment. But at the moment, it's um, myself, my sister who's on maternity leave. Um, we've got a photographer, an IT tech lead, um, an ops manager – um, and we're just hiring someone to look after Flight Center. Right, like a... So it's five a, or six. A relationship manager. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, that's pretty cool. And how long has it been going for? Um, so the business has been sort of, you know, I guess a business. My sister's been doing it for about 18 months, but operationally six or seven months. And, and where did you come from? What, what was your background before this? Um, I was actually working in commercial real estate. So completely different, I guess completely different, but sort of the, some of the same things carried across. I'm doing a lot of BDM stuff now, so new partnerships, which is really exciting. Um, but yeah, I was in uh, commercial real estate for about six years. And how much more fun is it not having to wear a suit to work and uh, hang, out in, more fun. <laughs> hang out in the city somewhere in a big corporate office? No, it's awesome. It's actually been surprising. A lot of the guys I used to work with as well, um, their response has just been like, yeah, great opportunity, like absolutely do it. Um, you won't regret it. And you can always come back to real estate. You know, obviously that's definitely not the plan after being doing this. I don't think I could go back. Um, but no, it's been... A lot of work, but yeah, super super rewarding that it's your own little baby and you you know growing something that you can actually. And ha- who's that surprising? Like between the traveller and the photographer, like how's that work? 
Say that again, sorry? Who, who sets the pricing? Yeah. We set the pricing. So we've got like – and that's part of the, I guess, the reason why we set the business up is we wanted consistent pricing so that when you're buying the product, you know exactly how long it's for, how many photos you get for that price point um, for the suppliers that we're, you know, selling it through. It's got to be simple for them as well so they remember that the pricing is the same in every country regardless. Obviously, we wear a bit of like currency risk but um, there's enough margin in it to continue on. Well, the currency, the currency. I mean, they're going to have to pay that yeah. anyway, no matter what. Um, no matter if they got a photographer there. Though. So, and I presume there's going to be all these add-ons coming on. You're going to be building albums and videos and... Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we will over time. I think it's one of those things we've been sort of like lots of different people have told us, you need to do photo books, you need to do this, you need to do that. Um, you know, we don't want to get confused away from our three products at the moment. We want to nail them and then move on to the next one. So stage. what are the three products? So a one, two and four hour walking to, well, photo tour. Right. So, and it's, and I, I guess most of it is digital anyway. So yeah. all of it's digital. So, um, you know, the the, cast, the traveller can do what they want with it. They can make their own album for that matter. Yeah, correct. Yeah, There's so get, many apps these days you can do, do it yourself. Yeah, they get a couple of sample images <clears> within 48 hours and then a full digital album within a week. How do you stop yourself from being disintermediated? You know, like someone just going direct to your photographer once, use it once, or tell yeah. their mates. Yeah, I mean, <clears> that's... Or, or more importantly, the photographer's going to say it. This, you don't need to go through these guys. Yeah, I think it's probably one of those things at... at at a, at a point of scale, like once we're growing and we're getting, you know, a volume of bookings a week, the risk for them is that they, you know, they get released from the network. So, Or all term, you've got to make the experience really good. Yeah, exactly. So the, the good thing for the photographer though, which they actually really like, is we handle some of the upfront, I guess, we've they don't have to negotiate the price. We do that for them at the start. So that's already done. And a lot of photographers are creative by nature. They're not negotiators or salespeople. They don't want to have to do that part of the, the job. So that job is already done. They don't have to do that. We handle, you know, the, the photos getting across to the customer and a lot of the backwards and forward email between the customer. So really all they have to do is rock up to the shoot, take the photos and and down and upload them onto the website and that's it. Cool. And um, you getting any exotic stuff going on? Or Such any, as? Any weird stuff? <laughs> <laughs> We've had a few weird ones. We had, um, we had a shoot in – we actually had a shoot in Sydney down at the Rocks and um, the photographer who we were testing, it was two girls – who were about probably 23, 24. And um, they went down there and um, they were two Canadian girls and he um, he took some bikinis down in his car and thought it would be pretty cool to say, hey, I've got a couple of bikinis in the car. Do you want to chuck the bikinis on them or turn this into a swimsuit sort of shoot? And how did they go? They actually did it, yeah. which is probably the weirder thing. But um, So you got like legal reps and warranties. I mean, are you making any uh, representations to um, travellers that – you know, like, you know, you can trust his person. Or... Look, they're not – the photographers aren't – the way it's set up, they're still their own business. They're not right. travel shoot employees, so we make it pretty crystal clear. Like, we obviously try to validate who they are and, and make sure they're, like, as bona fide as we can, but we're not sort of – they're not our employee, so. And, and how's the clip work? I mean, you, uh, you obviously take a bit from both sides or – yeah, yeah. So, well, so we just basically the, there's a set amount. So, say for instance, the the one hour shoot, which includes all your photos, is three hundred ninety nine bucks. Um, the majority of that goes to the photographer, um, and then the balance comes to us. When we've got partners like Flight Center, obviously they just work on a commission basis, so they get a percentage of commission as well, and then right. we take the balance. So, obviously, when it's sold through Flight Center, we make a little bit less, but a lot of the legwork leg for us is taken care of. They're, so, yeah. they're the ones selling it, so and they're marketing it for you. Yeah, exactly. And how do you market your business? We're, we're going to focus <clears> on through partners, so. We've got Flight Center as a whole, um, which we're doing a formal launch with early next year. Um, we've got Hello World, which is the next biggest travel, I guess, group in Australia. And then we're focusing on like luxury minor partners as well. So you're going to get people to distribute for you, basically. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So we'll still do direct sales, yeah. um, but the focus for us will be like, 
for a small business and only a small team, it's silly for me to think that we, you know, two guys going to be able to go out and get to, you know, 2,000 travel agents. It's better for Flight Centre to push it internally and those guys make a commission and fingers crossed we grow pretty quick. You get anyone from overseas coming to your site and saying, uh, can you organize, uh, hook me up with a photographer here in Sydney? Yeah, yeah, all the time. Yeah, we, um, we've got... Um, one of Flight Centre's brands is based over in the States, okay. so their brands are selling it as well. So um, we're looking for a bigger partner overseas at the moment, hopefully for inbound travellers. Um, obviously, Asia's a massive target, um, but that's a whole, you know, that's a huge market to try to tackle and try to get a bit of a strategy around, like China in its own is, you know, would be a game changer for us. With regards to disintermediation, I don't think that, that um, you know, clients of the service customers are going to be forming a relationship um, with a photographer that they've met in New York on their... Um, on their trip there once every five years. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think the risk is pretty low. Um, yeah. And we've only had it once where the customer has reached out direct to the photographer and funnily enough, the photographer actually put their hand up and said, hey, guys, I just want to let you know this customer's reached out direct. It's for a custom shoot, so it was a much, like something outside of what we offered anyway. I'm and sure we, there, is, there are some exceptions, but it's probably a low amount the, yeah, of Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not going to happen that often. So this is a great example of um, sort of the new age, but like where, you know, the, the internet or just... The, the IT sort of environments allow for disintermediation or sort of disintermediation, I should say, like building aggregation platforms, just matching person to person and building, like, effectively, you build a marketplace for, to- yeah. for photography yeah, exactly. for travellers. <clears throat> and I think those people listen to the, listen to the show, uh, often people sort of say, look, I work in a commercial real estate environment, I'm bored, shitless, I don't want to be here anymore, I want to get the hell out of here, um, what can I do? There's a great example of how those opportunities arise. Now, so you've, you've done... And, as, and you've done one round of... Yeah, amazing. look, and that was the other big part of my sister sort of reaching out as well. Like, <clears> she wasn't too comfortable going and doing the pitching side of things. Um, I mean, it's completely new experience, I think, for any startup. Sort of, okay, we want money. How do, like, how do you do it? Like, How much you raise? Uh, we raised 500, yeah. Oh, good on you. Yeah, yeah, so... And it, do you fill up quick? Um, look, we, we went to... We didn't go out to that many people. Um, I How'd actually you find went, them? A lot of them were through real estate. So people that I knew through working in real estate, you know, high net wealth that didn't have a lot of experience actually investing in startups. So the whole conversation around, okay, you know, them thinking that, oh, we'll be interested in investing once you're sort of turning over X. It's like, well, that's, we need the money to turn over X. Like we don't, you know, it's not, it doesn't work that way. So um, the, we had a lot of sort of sporadic interest in terms of like really low amounts initially. So people wanting to put in. Thousand bucks. Well, 50 or 100, I know that sounds, you know, yeah. that's, you know, a reasonable chunk, but I was sort of hoping it was going to be both my sister and I was like two people, you know, and we maybe were a little bit um, disillusioned. That's how it would work. But it actually had, it turned out to be that way. So, and um, we've got two investors on board, which is really exciting. Well done. That's better that way. Yeah. Oh, it's so Less much, it's so much to, like going through the legals over the last few weeks <laughs> with two people was difficult enough to have to try to think about having to go through that with, you know, 10 people involved and get everyone to reach agreement. It would have been an absolute nightmare. So, no, it was really exciting. With investing, did you – were you going just for money or were you going – you wanted people with a bit of know-how and, like, connections and stuff? So we, like – we actually, like, had an Excel spreadsheet of all the people <laughs> that we were reaching out to and we basically had categories in terms of, okay – Person number one sort of ticks the box in terms of, you know, you know they have the, the financial backing. Yeah. They, they've proven they've invested in a startup before and it's sort of, you know, given that company a leg up and three that they can actually open doors for you is sort of the third tick. So we actually worked from the bottom in terms of the person that we didn't want sort of from the start so we could get our pitch down pat. <coughs> and then by the last pitch, we were sort of pretty well versed in it all and that was the person we really wanted to impress. So 
Good job. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> and that's, Good job. Yeah, so the person we end up getting on board is actually the one who's opening a lot of doors, hopefully for us, which we think is sort of yeah. the, the person we really wanted, which is oh, awesome. So you started from your, your least preference. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you pitched to the yeah, customer yeah. you don't want, yeah. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Okay. So, Number Jason, two. I'm from Queensland. Yes, Jason, and second name? Jason Loft. Yep. Pedals Espresso is my wife and my company. We founded it. Your face familiar. Do I, have I met you before? You got a familiar face. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I've okay. been in business a long time, so you maybe. You didn't come on the Uber pitch or anything, did you? No, I wish. Yeah, no, but I thought I got my first Uber ride last night. Okay. There you go. Okay. But yeah, Paddles Espresso, it's... um. You <laughs> <laughs> um, got it in Sydney, didn't get it in Brisbane. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but solar-powered coffee carts that go behind a bike, an electric bike. So I've been, in, I've been a barista since I was 15 years old. Um, opened a cafe as soon as I left school. And ran that. That's how I met my wife. But we ran that for about five years. And I got just sick of it. You're sort of caged in this one spot. You feel like you're stuck. You got rent. You got all these overheads. You got to deal with staff. And just got sick of it. So we sold, went travelling. Um, and then when we came, we came back to our hometown and had a kid. And we were looking to get a coffee, but we couldn't get our pram in anywhere. And Courtney said, it would be good if we could get like a pop-up coffee down the park. I was like, shit. Yeah, if you could do that, you'd get all the mums and bubs. And then I thought, so I just started researching it and, um, yeah, figured out there's no reason you can't do a solar-powered cart so you don't need any power anywhere, which means you can pop up at the beach or you can pop up on a street corner, like the hot dog carts in New York, that sort of thing. <coughs> you, have to get a you, have to, big, you have to pay big money for those in New York. Yeah. Do you have to pay for a licence here? It depends. It Queensland's pretty bad. Is it? Adelaide's just opened it up and said mobile vending, go nuts. You can just um, and even if like, you just want to do it a bit dodgy. But I, like, I was about to go into that. Around, you just pick up and you go. Well, the thing is, and like game. Fraser Coast, <clears throat> it's, there's a bit of backstory. My dad's the mayor now, but the CEO doesn't like him. So she didn't want to give me a <laughs> permit for our area when I was trying to test the idea. But I realised I can't go on council land, but businesses actually own a lot of land. So I actually approached our local Bunnings and said, hey, the tradies in the morning all want a coffee. You don't have to do any insurances. I'll get my own. Can I just have a car spot? That's a clever way of doing it. Yeah, that's a good way of doing it. Yeah, and they've done that. And I've realised, like, a lot of councils can be difficult. Like, we're in Noosa now and they haven't been able to get a council permit, but they can pull up at the local schools um, and she's got a gig out the front of the local business because the business owns, technically owns, metre of the footpath as long as she's within that metre and because it's such a small cart, she's got prime-time traffic um, for no rent, so pretty much no overheads in this business, and that's the beauty of it. We're sort of going after, I see a lot of, for me, I'm passionate about getting young people into business, and I see a lot of baristas who, they love what they do, because it is a real good job. You connect with millionaires, you connect with homeless people, you connect with everyone every day, um, but they hate working for someone, being stuck in the shop with a boss that's just a prick usually, because they're all about the profit. So we're sort of marketing to them to give them an opportunity to go. I think the headline on our website you is... That, you can be that prick too. <laughs> well, yeah. No, no, yeah, that's right. But I, the headline is don't build build your own dreams, not your boss's next beach house. That's our website sort of tagline because um, it's an affordable way for them to... You mean you're talking about franchises now? Or what we originally, I was telling <clears> everyone before, we, we did start out franchising. I thought that was the best model. Um, we've, as of two days ago, we've told everyone we're not actually franchising anymore because it's just a nightmare legally and I can't stand paying a shit ton of money 
to a lawyer for something I don't understand and the person going into business doesn't understand for what is a fairly cheap business, like it's not a huge risk to get into it. So we've, what we're heading toward is we build the equipment and they can buy it off us and they can join the Paddles Espresso brand if they want. Um, and there's a monthly pretty much subscription fee where we've got an online college with all training. Um, we're getting international baristas to help us build resources and business people to build educational programs. And then there's a mentoring group, which has got myself and building the network of other mentors where they can reach out once a week for a 10, 20 minute chat on the phone. Um, and they've also got a chat room with other people in the running their own bicycle coffee cart. Because I figured the hardest thing, well, in any business, but in this one is coming up with ideas and ways. But if you've got a group, like we've only got five locations at the moment, but every day they're throwing new ideas at each other and one location will try it for a week. If it works, everyone does it. If like it doesn't... community, you, you haven't built a franchise. Pretty much. You're building community. An online community, yeah. And that's <clears> what, <throat> after 12 months, I realised that's where we needed to go. So two weeks ago, we said to them, we basically had to offer it to them. The lawyer told me, he didn't know if I could do it, cause, but I said it's just about negotiating with them, convincing them it's a better way. Um, and, yeah, they all jumped on board. So we literally burnt the contracts at our conference two days ago and started the new way of doing it. Burning Man. So uh, yeah. explain to me what, what, how the coffee cart thing works, like the technology yeah, so or whatever it is. Well, <clears throat> it's, it's actually pretty simple. It's a, just like a bench top with wheels on it, heavy-duty yep. wheels. And so it's a cart, actual, like a cart. Yeah, like a mo it's just like a mobile coffee cart you'd see or a lot of the hole-in-the-wall coffee shops have. Yeah. We've just put some wheels on it, put a hitch on it. Um, it's got a – it's gas to heat it. Yep. And then solar panel pretty much powers everything else. And we've found – I did it all theoretically initially and I thought you'd probably get maybe five or six hours, but if you're in the sun for just two hours a day, you go home fully charged and you don't have to plug in give erg on any of your money, basically. So it just eliminates those overheads again. On a rainy day, is it okay? Still? Yeah, like solar's yeah. pretty kick-ass now. Like we've got a, where we build them, we've got a shed <clears> and we've <throat> got just a couple of skylights and mine will sit in there and charge just from the skylight coming through. So it's pretty You do uh, like those Tesla good. batteries as well. That's where we're heading yeah. for the lighter weight. We're just waiting for the cost so to come down. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm wanting to keep it affordable <coughs> for people to basically get in the market and run their own business. So, like, and it's hooked up to an electric bike, did you say? Yeah, electric trike. So you can... A trike, okay. Yeah. That's and that's what we're working on. I guess. Yeah. yeah. We um, started with two-wheeler and first lady that jumped on board had a few crashes. I'm six, <laughs> I'm six foot four, pretty strong, so I was fine. She was five foot, <laughs> a lot shorter. So she had a few tumbles <laughs> and credit to her. She's, she's, our she's actually our salesman now. And she sells people and says, like, she's had the worst experience of anyone, but she still loves it. So she's a... So do you charge them to – you sell, you sell them the, the cart. So you, yep. you manufacture the cart. At the moment, yep. You have some sort of intellectual property over that, like rights or own it or what? No, and again, I've looked at it and I'm <clears> like <throat> – I, I reckon patents at the moment are – for this type of thing, you're throwing money away because anyone can look at it, change it by 20 or 30%, whatever it is, and do their own. And for me, the value isn't in the cart. That's what I was telling, I think, before – it's in what we're offering is more the business mentoring, the experience. Like the cart's just a hunk of metal that anyone honestly could build. Yeah. But you can't get this online college, this mentoring um, and this support which people need when they're starting out in business. So it's more about um, I'm a small business – I'm a, I'm a small business mentor. Yeah, and that's what I'm big into. And, like, 
what's exciting and where I want to head, I think I put it in the pitch I emailed Nick, was we've just got a 16-year-old started and his mum's buying it, but he's he's been running it for me for three months. Instead of a 14-year-old going to Macca's and get a job, yeah. learn how to run a business because if you do that, for me, when I left school and started the cafe, that's the best apprenticeship I could have ever done. And I know it set me up. No matter what I do, I can know I can make a go of it because I made a go of a business at eight. So how do you make money out of a? How do you, how how does the head office, whatever you want to call it, make money out of the person who's got the one here on the corner here at Kings Cross? Yep. So what <clears> we're <throat> doing, they can buy their products through us. That's the thing with franchising. You mean the, the, you mean the coffee? They can buy it if they want. What we're encouraging, if you want to buy it through us, cool. Um, we're doing a lot of initiatives like we're partnering with Orange Sky Laundry. So every kilo of coffee we sell is going back to them. So there's a bit of an incentive for them to buy through us. But if not, we encourage them to get a local roaster because I find if you can get all local products and partner with a local bakery, the, the local customers just fall in love with you. You, can you sell be... other things, do you, like apart from the coffee? Well, we sell them the coffee. If they want to buy the cups, we can make a bit of money on that. But it's mainly the monthly subscription where we're making the money. Um, and then as we're growing and building this community, we're going to be doing live events and live seminars and... Live webinars is a big one. Um, getting like international baristas on, saying, guys, look, pay five bucks each. If we can get 100 people in the webinar, make a few hundred bucks. That's sort of where we're heading. It's more of an online. Does the subscription help, like, say, for like an example, like a 16 year old? Does it help with like the financial side of things? Because, like, even jumping into a business myself now, like the GST, all the rest of it, yeah. it's an absolute nightmare. Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. And it, I for think a 16 year old simplifies it. Yeah. And that's honestly the way, the new way I'm going to be marketing it and selling it is I'm doing a live webinar laying out. This is everything you need to know. If you want to start a mobile coffee cart, I'm going to tell you. And I'm going to give people, because I, for me, if I can encourage them, and I think you need to get people to know you, like you, trust you. I figured if I get like if I told you everything you need to know how to get a permit in Kings Cross, where to sell, yeah, you might go do it yourself. But chances are, a lot of people will go shit. I want to buy through him, and I want to join that network. Yeah. Um, and I'm a big believer in yeah, you give out your knowledge for free, and people will reward you in the long run. My experience of these things sometimes though, is that I think that's great what you're saying. It's it's, it's a real great initiative, and very intelligent. Um, but as we, as they become mature, <clears throat> and they become really good at what they're doing, you've got to give them a reason to stay in the community. Now you can either lock them in legally, but you've got to, it's got to be more a, a reason why they want to stay there. So you've got to start getting them to be on the same wavelength as you, and be prepared to mentor the next coming group yep. coming through. And we're already and get something out of it. That's pretty much what we're doing. We've got it's called the basically accountability partners. <clears throat> so when we get new people signing in, um, we essentially send them to the one of the older ones, um, and we got like a pretty. It's pretty much a template we send both of them. This is how you keep each other accountable. Start of the year or start of the month, let each other know how many coffees you got to sell this week, and once a week send them a text or chat to them in our Slack room, and just say, hey, how's those sales going? Or why weren't you out yesterday? Like keep each other. On board, and that's how we're growing. And the other one, and I think it's, I enjoy the pressure of because I know people will quickly pick up how to run a business, and they'll be like, "Why the fuck do I need Jason anymore?" But for me, it's I need to keep improving myself and giving them a pathway. So even if they just do a coffee cart and then go on to start a restaurant or go on to do anything, they're probably still going to be looking for someone to mentor them. So my goal, uh, me and my wife, is to get a hundred of these out there make 100 millionaires and hopefully I've got 100 millionaire clients as a business mentor is the the idea, the long-term vision, yeah. How long have you been doing it for now? 
Within just over 12 months okay. in paddles, yeah. And how many got how many got 10 out there now? No, we got we had six. Yeah. And I while we while we were franchising, I did cut one. Yeah. Um we they were a lot older than us. <laughs> and we're going into it like we me and Courtney were very open and said, is this gonna be an issue? Like they're old enough to be our parents. Um and they were no, 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 no issues there. But the moment they signed, suddenly they couldn't take any advice. They weren't getting many sales, but they weren't listening to what I was trying to tell them. Um and they just weren't pretty quickly becomes toxic across everyone yeah. when you got that negative thing. So <clears throat> it was a tough call for me, but it was the right call. And since then, things have flourished more and we've got, I think within a week, we had someone wanting to buy that location that they that we sort of cut them from. Did they buy from you or did they buy from the <clears throat> outgoing person? No, no, they'll buy. Well, they've, so the outgoing person, I've said, basically, if you want to have a crack by yourself, because obviously you want to do this by yourself, have a crack by yourself. Um but we are going to find someone else to run the area as a pedals cart. Right. Yeah. What about, like, uh, attaching yourself to, like, existing coffee shops and, and sort of, like, you know, offering the chance, uh, giving the existing coffee shop the ability to franchise themselves? Yeah, and that's what we another reason we can go away from the... And we've already had... Like, I had, while we were franchising, six cafes, I think. Yeah. Call me and go, hey, yeah. I want to get a cart for my Actually, business. Actually, just in the, the immediate area or something, yeah. you know, like, you know. And that's the idea. And they can, st- like, they can still join. It's called the Keep Peddling College. So they yeah. can still get access to all the resources. Yeah. Um, and if, yeah, if they want to buy the equipment through us. Yeah. My label. And so that is the you idea. You might have one of the baristas there at the coffee shop go, I'm sick of this work. Can I, can, you know, can we, can yeah. I, it's almost like a way of graduating from. To do their own position. little thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, between mid, mid morning, yeah. breakfast and lunch, they get on the cart and they rip out. Yeah, exactly. Outside um, of the place, yeah. Like I pay the young fellow who he's taken over now, but I was just paying him two bucks a coffee, yeah. which is a is good it, wage. I was still making. I figured I'm not doing any work. I'm still making a dollar a coffee. But he was making. He'd make ten bucks at Hungry Jacks. He's making twenty bucks an hour absolutely. working for me. So there's a coffee shop like uh, would be like four or five hundred meters from our office. <laughs> And like it's just that little bit too. <laughs> I like it. I like, <laughs> like I, I swear to God, if the guy if the guy came down the road with a coffee cart, I'd go to him. I'd go well, again. Maruchido, our latest one. Yeah. He's found there's a coffee shop yeah. across the road, and he just parks in the yeah. under their doorway. Yeah. And there's 50 staff upstairs, and they all come down and get one off him because they don't want to walk because they're like it wastes 10 minutes of our lunchtime yeah. walking across the road and back. Yeah. There's one just near the show, uh, the uh, Sofitel. Yeah. There's a big cart. Yeah, yeah. It's not unless it's a cart at the front of the Sofitel. Yeah. And there's, I walk past her sometimes early in the morning, which is just near our office in the yep. city, and uh, they're 12 deep. All he does is sell yeah. bagels, coffee, and maybe yeah. biscuits or something like that. I don't know. And that's the other key. We don't prepack to no food license. You just do coffee and prepackaged goods or goods made elsewhere. So you've got no wastage, high profit margins. It's a, it's a business that you, you can't stuff up. What, what could someone, <laughs> like, what, like an average person, what could they make a year? Yeah, well, mm. I work. It, we just work out with people if they can sell, depending how they finance it. But if they can sell four hundred coffees a week, they'll be taking home about a thousand bucks. When I was doing it, and like we're in a little town, I was working twenty four hours a week on the cart um, and taking home eight hundred bucks a week just to cover our mortgage and our living costs. And then I was working on the actual company the other sixty hours a week. So it's four hundred coffees a week a lot, or it's like, like you know, if you gross that, if you annualise that, it's about an eighty thousand dollar a year wage. And it's if you're doing just yeah. four hours. And the beauty, like, it's not. And I tell everyone, like, you're not going to make a million bucks, but if you want, you get three of these things running around King's Cross. Yeah. You get sixteen year olds running them. Mm. 
sit back and well. actually make some big money. But <clears throat> no, 400, it's not. Like in the morning rush, like even in Maribyrnong, 25,000 people, low socioeconomics. It's a town that if you make it in Maribyrnong, you make it anyway. That's what everyone <laughs> says. And I would do in the first two hours of Bunnings from six till eight, 40 or 50 coffees. Like That's the key though, isn't it, finding the real estate? Yeah. you got to find the real estate. But, and that's what I like is you can do an event like we do, if we do Christmas carols or something, we'll do 200, 300 coffees. It's nearly a week's takings. Then the rest of the week, if you want to go down the park and read a book every day or write a blog and sell 10 coffees a day, you can. Like it's a, it's a business that you can fit around your lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you're, the science is behind it. You're exercising while you work so you can't actually be unhappy because you're getting the chemicals coming through your body. And you're outdoors. Yeah. So it just ticks... <clears throat> We the thing I struggle with because I got a bit of ADD is what marketing I should <laughs> actually target because there's so many things. It's green, it's exercise, it's all the ticks probably none. Just boxes. get the I think you probably just get your baristas or the people who own the carts. They're doing your marketing for you, and they are, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how it's sort of grown. You don't need to just get people well. saying, "Oh shit, where's one of these uh, pedals espressos?" You don't nah. need. Is it espresso, pedals espresso? Espresso, or sp- yeah, yeah. And you brand yourself whatever you want, right? Yeah, if yeah. people want to. But I, don't, I don't think you need people to say, where is one? But what you want is people to say, how can I set one up? That's, yeah. That's who you've got to market And that's to. what the next thing, like I'm enjoying doing this because I'm about to start a podcast and all I'm doing is reaching out to these Instagram baristas who have got 70,000, 80,000 followers and I'm messaging them on Instagram and they're all keen to do podcasts with me and I'm thinking stuff. And I'm just going to ask them questions how they got set up and I realised I've got five of them already lined up and that between them they've got half a million followers and I know they're all going to shout out to their followers, you better listen to the podcast. I'm going, how quickly I can get. <laughs> you recruit quick. Yeah. yeah. So the, yeah. the cost to get people signed up is pretty low. Good job. Yeah. Good job. I mean, that's, uh, I mean actually today's been, Nick, today's that uh, we had two good, really good, <laughs> interesting um, really, new businesses. Yeah, they're great, really great. Inventive thinking. They're real good creative stuff. Um, but like stuff that you can, you know, like nothing's like, the stuff today isn't like, um, you know, you've got to be a neuroscientist yeah, yeah, to work yeah. out, you know, just yeah, yeah. Makes, everyday makes clever thinking. <clears throat> Man, it's not yeah. from guys, as you say, guys got PhD or something. The yeah. guys have just got off their ass and done something yeah. and had a crack and made it work. But there's obviously a lot of intellect goes into it and a lot of creativity, I think. That's the most important thing. It's pretty much all my wife. I can market, sell anything, but she can... She comes up with ideas. She can't sell. She can't do the business. That's why I know yeah, I'm the exactly creativity the thing. I know none of the photographers will want to do the, the business side of it because Courtney can't do that, but she can come up with ideas and it's easy for me because I just package it and sell it. <laughs> you know what I didn't ask? What's the name of your business? Travel Shoot. It is Travel Shoot. Yeah, yeah, Travel Shoot. Okay, well, that, uh, brilliant, guys. Travel Shoot and Pedals Espresso. Thanks very much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. This has been the Mark Boris Podcast. You can follow Mark on Twitter, at Mark Boris. And find out more at markboris.com.au.